Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Track by Track, a longtime article series from Consequence of Sound, the website. Now, a new reoccurring feature here on the Consequence of Sound podcast. In Track by Track, we explore an album one song at a time with the artist behind it, discussing the song's origins, tales from the recording studio, every story that brought this music to life. For our debut episode, Consequence of Sound's Adam Kivel is speaking with Eleanor Friedberger about her new record, Rebound, which drops May 4th via French Kiss Records. But before Adam and Eleanor kick things off, I figured I might as well introduce myself. I'm Consequence of Sound Podcast Network Director, Cap Blackard, the voice you hear every time you tune in to one of our programs. Thanks so much for checking out Consequence of Sound's podcasts. If this is your first time here, welcome! We've got a lot of music to explore, and we do it three times a week in this podcast feed with our album review podcasts. And if you're a return listener, well, hopefully you're digging our bite-sized album reviews. And we'd love to hear what you think. Let us know by rating and reviewing this show on iTunes or rating and reviewing specific episodes on Podchaser. The short shows we put out on this feed are a pretty unusual format, and we'd love to know what you love about them, what you think could improve, or how you listen to them. Reach out to us by leaving a review or hit us up via the Consequence Podcast Network Facebook page. We're an independent music outlet, and it's you fine folks that make it possible for us to keep exploring pop art. So connecting with you about how you experience our content is majorly important to us. Thanks so much for tuning in, and now I'm going to pass the baton off to Adam, speaking with Eleanor Friedberger about her new album, Rebound. This is Track by Track. Let's start at the at the very beginning. What was it about my Jesus phase that you really wanted to, to position at the beginning? Uh, what What sort of is the story behind that one? Something I did for this album, which I've never done before, and I'm not entirely sure why. I think I think I had a lot of self doubt about the album in general because it was so much done on my own as com- as compared to like the last, the previous two solo albums, which I, I you know, I was really collaborating with people I'd been um, touring with, and I worked with a producer who I'd worked with before, and. Um, I don't know, this whole album, the whole process, because I made all these demos first by myself and didn't share them with anybody for months. Um, I, I felt a little bit uneasy about it, I guess, just to be totally honest. And, and when, even when it came time to choosing, to settling on the, on the song titles themselves, I had like, there were a few songs that I really, really struggled with, which is not something I've ever um, encountered before. Usually I know exactly what the song title is, either before I've even finished writing it or I just take it from the lyrics or whatever. But so this was, I actually recruited like I think 10 or 12 friends and I sent them uh, lists of song titles and like some songs had like four or five options. Some just had two options, but I emailed everybody blindly without sending them the music and just said like, just purely as song titles, like, what do you think? <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was really interesting because everybody wrote back to me, like immediately, which I thought was nice. And um, my Jesus phase was one that was originally called Galaxy Bar, which is a bar in Athens. Um, And uh, I don't know, it's kind of, um, there were a few bars that really 
made a big impact on me when I spent some time in Athens last year. And that was one of them. Um, and I thought that would be a good song title, but then I thought that sounds a little generic. No one's going to really know what that is anyway. And my Jesus phase, I thought was a cool line. And, and overwhelmingly everyone chose that as the song title. So, um, that's why it's called that. But it's also something that someone said to me uh, as I was like recounting, a, relaying a story about meeting somebody who was, who had said to me, um, I love Jesus. Jesus is my best friend. And I told this other person the story about meeting this guy and him saying that to me and being really taken aback by it. And this woman I was telling the story to just like didn't even bat an eyelash. And she was just like, oh, yeah, well, I had my Jesus phase last year, too. And I just thought that was so kind of interesting. Um, so that's where the line comes from. And uh, my friends chose that as the song title. But uh, as, far, as far as like being first on the album, um, that went through a few different changes. Like it was a very, I wanted it to be a very repetitive song. And in my demo, like it sounded almost like, a, in fact, like my working title was, I think something like, best circus or favorite circus or something because I had written it on the Casio keyboard and had this like arpeggio thing that just went over and over and over again. And, um, it sounded very circusy. And then I just completely kind of fucked it up by turning things backwards. And, um, we, in the end, we really changed the arrangement to really make the beginning very minimal. And that was something Clemens did at the beginning with, with, um, Clemens Knieper, the guy who I ended up finishing the record with, he kind of made that bass line at the beginning and it just changed everything for me. And I was just like, that's the way the album's got to start. I want to have it with like, like, you can hear my breath and the first line. And I think it's cool to start with a line like, let me forget the words. You know, it's like, you don't quite know what I'm talking about. I mean, you don't know what I'm talking about at all, but I think it's a good first line. Let me forget the words. And it also has like, it, it really sets a tone uh, sonically. It really has that sort of ethereal synth palette too, which is uh, definitely a new step for this album. For sure. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's incredibly moody. Um, and that was, I just thought there, I, I didn't also didn't know where else I would put it, I guess. If that's always the case. Like, oh, I can start it with as the second, you know, first song on the second side, but no one really cares about that stuff. I don't think anymore. So um, when we finished the album, like that was the song that moved me the most. So I was like, I want to put that up front. Let me forget the words. Let me forget the time. I'll drink whiskey for courage, something more. A line, a look, a borrowed book. I'll weep and roll. Oh dear. And then we move from that to the letter, which after forgetting words, you're putting a letter in the fire and, and there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of forgetting and, and uh, you know, something you thought versus actuality, sort of misunderstanding, miscommunication. Is that would you say that's a, a common theme of, of the album? Yes. I mean, mis miscommunication, I think, is is. Um, yeah, it's becoming that way. I mean, I don't know if I if I went into it knowing that, but, um, it's easy. It's an easy thing to, you know, I've always, I, I, it's funny. I don't talk to many other musicians about this. Like when you're, 
working on something and you finish it and then you step away from it and then you have to do all this talking about it. And it's almost <laughs> like you're a PhD student, you know, defending your dissertation or whatever. And I, you come I, up with these ideas that yeah. after the fact, you know, and yeah. it's always kind of more interesting. <laughs> I have to say, I, I felt when I was reading through the lyric sheet last night and this morning, I was thinking it felt a lot like being back in a, a poetry class or something like that. A bad uh, I, I, did not, I did not say bad. I did not say bad whatsoever. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm being self-deprecating. <laughs> um, well, that's good. Yeah, no, I, I spent a lot of time on these lyrics and it, I was forced to spend more time than normal, maybe because I, I kind of wrote the songs differently in that I most of the songs I had, um, you know, written the melodies and then wrote the lyrics afterwards, which is something I don't I don't usually do. So it was dif difficult for me, but also forced me to kind of be a little bit more, um, I don't know, I was just more deliberate in, in a way that I hadn't been before. But that song was always supposed to be together with the, the previous song. Um, and in fact, you know, I was kind of hoping I would have more transitions like that, where the letter comes straight out of my Jesus phase. Um, and I ended up not doing that so much, but, um, yeah, that, that song is taken from a letter that someone sent me and, uh, uh, miscommunication is, is definitely a big part of it. But I mean, I was so lucky to get something like that and be able to use, you know, really specific evocative kind of language from somebody else and, and change it around a bit. That's like the greatest gift you know, as a songwriter, that that landed in my mailbox. And, it, and so it feels very real, you know, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and one way that I feel like you've always been very good at doing that is it mentions like the Queen's Wharf, which I'm, I'm assuming is I looked up that it's assuming that it's Australia and not a restaurant in California. Maybe it's the other. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it was in uh, New Zealand, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but you always seem to be very very good about creating this sense of 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 place of time uh, like really feeling in a moment. Is that something that that you consciously focus on? I guess I must. I mean, <laughs> I, mean uh, I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm very much interested in using concrete details like that, but that's just because that's kind of how I learned to write, you know, um, when I was 15 or something, you know, it's just, I remember being in an English class and the teacher sing Mr. Samuelson at Oak Park River Forest High School, like singled me out for like this thing that I wrote. I don't even know what it was, but I just remember, you know, like he praised, you know, the way that I wrote these kind of very direct and simple sentences with the right sorts of details, you know, and I just, I think I've just been writing like that ever since. Artificial rendezvous Put the letter in the fire Oh my God, I thought of you Pacing deep as the river Leavings as you said them Um, so next we've got everything. Could you tell me a bit about that one? I really loved, again, the, the details. There's this one really tight 
sort of verse about uh, a man in Greece, a girlfriend in Italy, palm reader, film star. It's very, very evocative. Yeah, I mean, again, I could tell you that verse is a friend of mine in in Athens um, is an actress and, you know, she had a boyfriend in Greece and a girlfriend in Italy and she was struggling with that situation and kind of well, she wanted to have kids but she wanted to lead this really uh you know radical life with you know being a kind of a, in an experimental theater group and also imagined doing something more mainstream like being in movies and i mean that was all very real but uh yeah i mean it's like i, I think i said in the kind of press release for that song it's like i, I really wanted to write a very much a pop song about a very complicated subject, which is like, you know, wanting to have, have it all and how, how we, how, how that's ridiculous, you know, <laughs> and, uh, still something that we struggle with, you know, um, uh, that's kind of a really lame way of saying that. But, um, I just, um, yeah, I mean, it kind of came out of a conversation I would have would ha- had with somebody, else who was like well if you you, if you want to be in a relationship you need to compromise and me thinking and saying fuck you I'm not going to compromise you know and then having to deal with that so um it's kind of heavy but it's uh (laughs) but it but uh I think you know women will relate to that I hope um the song the recording for me is you know kind of funny that was one of the first ones we tackled because I had just written that as like a straight up guitar rock song and uh I only had a demo of it in that way really just and it sounded you know I was like how am I gonna make this more interesting and Clemens and I worked on the song for quite a while and we lost it like which is anybody's worst nightmare like it was just gone Mm. um and we started over from scratch like maybe the last thing we did um, so who knows what that other version was like, <laughs> and I'm going to say this version was better, but you know, we really tried hard to make this like as tight and, uh, catchy as, as possible, you know, well, at the same time, while it has this kind of very bizarre lyric that, uh, you know, and it's also kind of annoying, which I got, I wanted it to be that everything, everything, you know, it's just like really punching you in the face. Can I ask, uh, so did you go into when you, I mean, obviously if you had a guitar rock version of this song first, but did you go into the album as a whole thinking that you would move more towards that sort of synth and less guitar heavy sound? That uh, At first I thought I want to make a record where I'm playing guitar really loud and the whole thing is going to be really aggressive and I thought it would be kind of like this live recording of like feedback and screaming. <laughs> I wanted to do something like, you know, my version of Sonic Youth, which is preposterous. And I mean, like, I'm just not capable of that, you know. But uh, that song, Everything, was actually maybe one of the first ones. I have some other songs that were more in that vein, like just rock songs that I wrote on guitar that I ended up not using. Um but that was one of the first ones. And then you know, later on, I, um, so like, 
if you want to have a real timeline. I wrote those like maybe in the early fall of 2016. And then in December of 2016, I bought this Casio keyboard and I just started writing a bunch of stuff on it. And then I went to Greece in January. And when I came back from this trip to Greece, that's when I really sat down and like started writing the lyrics and turning all that stuff I'd written on the keyboard into songs. Um, and I just abandoned that other idea of having this kind of brash, punky guitar album. Cause I just, it just wasn't feeling that way. I guess I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly. I mean, it, it was a series of events and, and, and that time I spent in Greece and, uh, you know, rock music isn't really the thing there so much. Uh, it's more, more electronic, I guess is how I would describe the scene. Maybe my favorite example of that sort of uh, new tone is the the bass at the beginning of In Between Stars, which is the next song. But it's it's that uh -huh. really fantastic, like almost disco sort of vibe to it. Yeah, I mean, and I I'm pretty sure we we kept uh, you know that was from like a Garage Band plugin, you know. That I use. Uh, and, well, maybe I'm getting that wrong, actually. I, uh, don't hold me to that. But yes, no, I wanted that. That was very much supposed to be a, that was a song that, that, that was one of the earlier songs that I wrote that I just wrote as like a piano ballad. And then I was like, this song is, actually, I played a bunch of these songs for my friend Bradford Cox, who's in the band Deer Hunter, played the demos because at first I thought I maybe would work with him on the album. And it was interesting when he finally like got down to listening to all the demos, like that song in between stars, he was like, this doesn't need to go anywhere. Like you don't need to play. There are a few songs where he's like, we don't need to hear this in the world kind of thing. And that was one that he was like, this is not interesting at all. Really? But it was a totally different arrangement. Um, so I didn't listen to him. obviously. <laughs> Um, and I and I just like cha completely changed it. I mean, changed the change changed the arrangement. The song is exactly the same as it was. It does this really amazing thing of sort of. I mean, obviously, if it's going to start with a disco bass, it's it's got a very sort of real physical element to it. But then also, all of the lyrics are. It, it almost felt like like uh, you know a Greek myth almost. Uh, just lots of. Uh, That's really interesting that you say that. Sorry, I cut you off. No, why, no. why do you think it sounds like a Greek myth? Well, there, I mean, there's. It starts off with the the note about ugly idols, and then also it yeah. just travels down from from almost the way we talk about the constellations being being th people transported into the stars and things like that. It's it's got a lot of very sort of surreal, transportative details. I'm so glad you picked up on that because that's exactly what it's supposed to be. <laughs> and in fact, my, a friend of mine and sometime roommate, she is also half Greek, and she bought me this Greek mythology book for Christmas um, that she had been reading with her son. And it's, anyway, 
you're 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 right on the money on that interpretation. Do you, do you feel like your trip to Greece sort of reconnected you in a sort of mythic way in addition to, as you've said, really connecting to, well, it's you didn't want to make that really rock-heavy version of the song you wanted to... Right. Yeah, I mean, it did, I, but I've felt that connection. I've been feeling that sort of connection to the, that place or the country or, you know, um, for a long time. This trip just made it even more the connection more deep you know but i i've 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 been feeling that way since uh, my early 20s um and that's just from family stuff i guess you know um and going to like you know this one place in particular that's incredibly special and just feeling like this is where i you know i mean this sounds really melodramatic but i i do feel like there's this place where I go in the southern mainland of Greece, where it's like I could swim out and I'd be happy to just die swimming out in this spot like that. If that was how I went, that'd be totally fine. Um, and like that's, yeah, I'd have, I've never felt that way about another place. And that obviously manifests itself lyrically, but I, I, would you say that that's also sort of tied to the move towards ethereal synths and, and things like that, this sort of grander, almost heavenly sound? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mean to put words in your mouth. I mean, that's a really nice way to think of it. Did I think of that at the time? I mean, uh, there is something, it's funny because I don't, I've never really listened to that sort of music, you know, um, the kind of stuff that someone might think I'm referencing is in terms of like this 80s synth stuff. I don't, I've never listened to it. I mean, I know it exists and I've heard it a lot in my life, but it's just not something I ever put on. If I want to, I'm still kind of more drawn to, if I want something kind of pretty and it's, that's in the pop world, you know, I would listen to like pretty acoustic guitar music or something first, probably. So it's almost um, like referencing it through a mirror. Yeah. I mean, I just, I never, I, 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 even though I grew up in the eighties and early nineties, I mean, I just didn't, I always listened to classic rock in Chicago. You know, I listened to oldie station mm -hmm. and then I listened to WCKG classic rock. Yeah. And then, and then like I was 15 in 1991 and started listening to, you know, what happened that year when punk broke <laughs> <laughs> um, and got into like, you know, indie rock. So uh, I didn't, I, I don't know. I was the song. So, I, I mean, going back to the concept of songs being connected, Make Me a Song felt really connected in that so same mythic way of being transformed, it, it, you know, about sort of embodying music as itself. 
For sure. Yeah. I wanted, uh, you know, I struggled with that one too. Uh, it was a song I had started like a year before, or maybe even more than that, where I just, I knew that that was what the, I knew the chorus and I knew the, the refrain and I had the kind of tune, but I was like, I want this to be a really long song, have a lot of words and a lot of verses and what's it going to be about. And, and, and then I had this experience that, you know, was, uh, well, like I mentioned before, you know, I met this guy who was like, I love Jesus. And I was really taken aback by it. And he sent me, um, he sent me this, uh, link to a sermon that was about religious music, about making religious music. And, um, instead of just deleting the message, I found myself like, getting really sucked into it and, and listening to what this guy was saying. Um, so that was, it was just interesting to me. And, and I don't want to alienate anybody, but you know, I'm not a religious uh, person, you know? So it was just something that was funny to, to, to um, be inspired by, you know? No, I, I had a very similar experience. We, we, uh, I took a course in college on, on love poetry and, we just spent a lot of time talking about the Psalms and it's like that we're not reading this in a religious context. Let's just talk about it as love poetry, which is a really interesting dichotomy. Yeah, for sure. I, and, and it's hard. It's embarrassing to say, I want to write a song about something really important <laughs> <laughs> to me. I find that embarrassing, you know, and I try hard to not come off like a pretentious asshole uh, and I don't, I don't think I would be accused of that. Maybe I need to, uh, sometimes I think I should take myself a little bit more seriously, you know? Um, but I really did want to write a song, especially in light of, again, without sounding like too, just kind of oversimplifying the, the world. But I mean, I just, I wanted to write something that, that felt like, you know, that's something that everyone could get behind, you know, and ho everyone can get behind, you know, the fact that music brings people together and that's undeniable. So um, I wanted to write a song about that, basically. When you think about wanting to write something important, do you think about that in terms of making it important for yourself and for the listener, one or the other, or prioritizing? How does that work? Um, in that case, it would be for, for me and the listener, for everybody. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, yeah, that's always such a difficult question. Just, I mean, because you have, you're putting it out there for people to listen to, but at the same time you want it to be in, it's, it's gotta be a sort of raw expression of yourself in order to even have that impact. Sure. Well, hopefully it works. Both ways. <laughs> I mean, normally I, I, I really am just writing to amuse myself and then you hope that other people like it too. I mean, that's, that's, that's my usual mode you know like hey i think i've got good taste i think other people think i do so they're gonna like what i like but then once in a while i'm like well you know i, I think i want to try to write something that that's you know could mean something to more people maybe and and very explicitly you know um so like everything is a song like that and the song make me a song i think would fall into that category
you know, uh, Nice to Be Nowhere, which is the next one, also feels that way to me anyway. It, it sort of has this, while you're amazing at really providing details, this one, obviously, based on the title, is a, does a really good job of having that sort of, uh, it, you could be anywhere, any any time, and still understand this feeling really, really well. Yeah. Yes. No, I mean, that was the idea. Uh, that was a song that was very much like I had this, that I wrote on the keyboard and it was one of, it was so simple, but I, in the past I maybe wouldn't have allowed myself to do that. That's just like kind of long and goes nowhere. Uh, and just has this nice feeling, you know? And I, I, I think, yeah, I would have denied myself that in the past, but I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to try to do. It's just going to be very slow and not much is going to happen. And it's not going to be about anything too specific. And, uh, you know, it was something that someone had said to me once and I wrote it down and it's like, you know, was holding on to that line for like four or five years. So I was happy to finally use it. Um, this might just be because I'm, uh, a fellow Midwesterner, but uh, and and also someone who's not gone to Greece. Maybe this is true of Greece also, but it just really felt to me like driving through the flatlands of the Midwest, and like it's a really great day. You're with people you love. Uh, you know, it doesn't really matter that there's nothing around you. Totally. Well, and and to let the secret out, I mean, that 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 line was said to me in Kansas City. Sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Which is somewhere, but uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty funny. But yeah, no, that's exactly right. Uh, it's hard, which goes through and mentions a couple at least specific bars in Athens, uh, including the uh, yes. including rebound. Yeah, this was this is the opposite type of song <laughs> <laughs> to the last one. I mean, I I was like, okay, I want to write a song about rebound, which is confusing because I had said like in between stars is a song like you could maybe hear at rebound, but this song is a song that was about that place. Um, and it was actually had a few different kind of funny things that, you know, it's like, this was the last song that I wrote. Um, and I, I'd already been thinking and talking about like the sound of the record with Clemens and like so many people, not me, but uh, a lot of music people I know were talking a lot about uh, the TV show Stranger Things mm -hmm. and the music on that show. Yeah. And um, and then same thing with like, um, uh, <laughs> what's wrong with me? Uh, Twin Peaks and um, right, right. like that, that, that episode of, uh, of, um, oh God, Black Mirror with the two, lesbians in the nightclub mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what i'm talking about yeah, so definitely. that that was all like really similar sort of vibe and uh i was kind of thinking about this song as like if i was gonna write a song for a fake tv show or something you know that was kind of 
could have been like that Black Mirror episode or something. And the lines about, I mean, there's a specific lines about the nightclub, but then I, I was listening to this guy's album. Um, His name's Hugh Evans. He goes by the name H Hawkline. He used to play with Kate LeBond. And he has this song that I heard him sing live. And and there was this line called, please don't lose my number, which I thought was like such a great, it just really stuck with me. Cause like, you know, now it's impossible to lose someone's phone number. (laughs) And so that's why I wrote that line about, um, you know, remember when you used to be able, you know, you, you could lose someone's number, you put, you know, you wrote the number on someone's like on a bill and put it in your jeans pocket and then you wash the jeans and the piece of paper is all fucked up after you take it out of the wash and how that doesn't happen anymore. Anyway, that, that, that was what the idea of the song was. That's one of my favorite recordings actually on the album. I really love the way that turned out. Maybe it's just because it's become so ubiquitous or maybe I'm just a little bit slow, but I never thought about the cure as having like any sort of meaning beyond just a name. But this song Mm -hmm. really hit that, like that blew that open in my mind. And ever since I just can't stop thinking about, Oh, it's the cure. It's, it's the cure. It's curing something. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, that was just a small detail that stuck with me. Yeah. It's about a lot of things. That song. I mean, and I like the and I like the way it turned out. Just judging from uh, your descriptions of rebound and and press releases and other things I've read, it seems like that place is about a lot of things too. Yeah, for sure, definitely. There's a sadness that you know um, I didn't want to really get into. <laughs> yes, I, I found it interesting that. That just from reading about the place, it seems like it would be full of a lot of really like crazy, kooky characters. But this song feels more about the place itself than the people in it. Yeah. Well, the funny thing about the place, I mean, is that it's so dark in there. You can barely even see anybody. <laughs> so um, I did actually like, you know, do the dance that everyone was doing. I stepped on someone's foot and like got really nasty you know, glare, but, uh, I only interacted with the people who I went with. It wasn't very, it wasn't a very friendly place. The next one is uh, Are We Good, which had a ZZ Top mention, which I feel like more songs today need. ZZ Top's a pretty great band. Yeah, I, I feel like they've just been written <laughs> off as a joke. People don't take them seriously. Well, I went, I lived in Texas for a while, so people take them seriously down there. I, I, could, I could imagine that would be different, yeah. Um, yeah, that someone said that to me. That, that This song is... Uh, what can I say about it? One of the books I was reading last year while I was like writing this stuff is this um, biography of the poet Edna St. Vincent Millay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like a big fan of her poetry or anything, but this book is incredible. It's it's just like this monster of a book that's based, you know, completely on 
her letters and other people's letters. Um, so much research in this book, it's insane. But um, I was just so struck by all the letter writing, you know, it's just like, you, it's so easy to forget that we don't do that. <laughs> and um, I'm, 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 I'm simplifying this, but I, but, uh, you know, I thought, God, we're only going to have our text messages and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, so this song is completely based on text messages between myself and another person, um, which was a fun exercise. I've always wondered, like, in a hundred years, are we going to have, instead of, you know, in an archive somewhere, the letters between this historical right. figure and someone else, like, what what is going to fill that space? Are we going to keep any sort of record of, of their communication via text or something? Or what, yeah, it, no, I mean, that was, that was exactly that what struck me about this book, you know, I mean, one of the things, but yeah, it's just like really scary. But so I actually did this kind of, you know, totally insane thing, which was like a few people who I've had kind of relatively brief relationships with like I went through and like read all the text messages <laughs> and then transcribed them you know or at least you know a lot of it which which uh was you know kind of a weird thing to do and anyone listening to this is never going to send me a text message again but um uh yeah no I, I, it was interesting for the song and I think it works really well as a song I mean to be fair most of the text messages are ones that I wrote. Um, so I don't think I was betraying too much there, but um, just, just to see what I wrote was interesting to see what I would write to somebody else from like, you know, most of it was like written when I was on tour. So it was kind of funny to see what I thought was an interesting or a funny thing to say to somebody. Including uh, the line about a, a dog winking at you. Is that, was that, yes. you? yeah. I, yeah. I've seen a lot of, of friends and other writers picking out that line and just being really happy with that one. Oh, that's nice. The ZZ Top thing was not me, though. That was somebody <laughs> else who went to see ZZ Top and said they were losing their mind. I have, I imagine that would be a common reaction, though. They have to be a good live band, <laughs> right? I don't think the losing the mind was in reaction to seeing. Oh, it's not a positive thing. Okay, no, I don't think I don't so. Know. I'll go to ZZ Top and lose my mind. Save me a seat if you can find the password. Please, is it still love? It's much less complicated than that. A new policy, I guess it's Uh, so almost uh, we're second to last now showy early spring which has this real darkness to it right off the bat with uh, mm -hmm. chainsaw and, and graves and and it but then also it feels very intimate there's something going on and it's I'm, I'm not sure it's good <laughs> um yeah, it is a really intimate song. I mean, to me, I would lump that. That's kind of somewhere in between these two um, sorts of songs we we're talking about. Hopefully, there's some there's some very specific details that are you know evocative, but then also it's you know I was just trying to write something that was pretty and 
Um, uh, but it's sad. I mean, I wrote it and like, well, I just sat down and wrote it um, because I had a few lines that I liked and, uh, you know, I cried a little bit, you know, mm. <laughs> it was like that sort of thing, which, um, that doesn't happen too much, but that I'm glad that, that I did that. And that's how it felt. And that, that is, I mean, it, again, I don't want to say too much cause right. I feel like that's kind of boring for people, but it, it was that feeling of like, is this it for me? Like, is this, is this, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but also it, it's very much, uh, a song for someone who, uh, is a very good friend of mine. Um, and that person will probably never really know that that's what it is, but it's fine. How does that feel? I mean, that's not an experience that a lot of other people can have if they're not releasing things where it's, it's, you know, this, this sort of secret meaning that it has that people could be listening and placing their own meaning to it. But, but in your head, like there's this message that may never be actually felt. Um, I feel fine with that. (laughs) I I mean, that's, it's not the point, you know, I don't have any problem with confrontation or being honest or any of that kind of stuff in my personal life. Like I'm totally, I'm good at, I think, you know, maybe I'm full of shit. I think, (laughs) I think that I'm happy to talk about things and tell people how I feel and all that kind of stuff. So it's not, um, it's not like this is my only way to get this stuff out. Um, it's not that sort of release for me. I don't think Mm -hmm. it's just another thing. Does that make sense? I don't know if that answers your question. That that definitely makes sense. It was a very difficult question, admittedly. I mean, it's, uh, I think, at least with social media, people can still sort of, I've a friend of mine calls it vague booking where you can post, <laughs> post something on, on social media and, and hope maybe part of you hopes that the person you wrote it about picks it up and understands that it's about them and you're talking. But at the same time, part of the appeal is you don't actually have to say it. Uh-huh. So I think there's just <laughs> an experience weird. that we, that that we can all have to some degree, but it's interesting to think about it on a concept, uh, like a sort of larger scale where it's, it's a way to express something that you want to express without having to sort of name it. Right. No, I've struggled with that a little bit. Um, especially like even on a song that we've already talked about, there's been, you know, like, uh, is it interesting to say who the text messages are with? You know, <laughs> is that something that needs to be revealed? No, I don't think it needs to be. You know, I, I think that, you know, I think it would ruin it for some people. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, it also is a good, uh, is a good, uh, Twitter thing. Yes. Show Last song on the album is is Rule of Action, which yeah. I absolutely loved, especially the way it ends oh, with with And I'll Live. 
in one of mm-hmm. the sort of faintest vocal recordings <laughs> possible. And just... yeah, that actually was really hard to get that right. That was something <laughs> I, oh my God, you have no idea. Like, yeah, cause that song is almost entirely the demo. Mm. Um, and including the vocals, but then we tried to fix some stuff. It's just, it's complicated and boring, but, um, or maybe not to some people. It was it was a demo that I made with the Casio keyboard, and then uh, we added just like a real drum and cymbal and a real bass on top of that. And then I re-sang, but we didn't want to use the nice vocal mic. We just used the like 58 mic to kind of recreate that sort of whispering sound. And it was just a lot of kind of nonsense when that last line of getting that volume right was just really hard um which I'm still not sure if it's right but but uh I I loved this one I didn't <laughs> I don't know I really that was one that I really struggled with uh getting the song title right actually and and it's and it goes back to what we were just talking about before about like um uh, to me, the song is about uh, writing songs for the, for what you were asking me before is like a way to I don't know to to um, deal with things, you know. And this song is about the act of doing just that, you know. Or do you stop and like you know? It's, is it about you know? am I going to squash my feelings or am I going to put it into this song or is that song going to be heard as the person that, that, that the feelings are about? It's going to, are they going to hear the song? You know, it's, it's kind of about that. And then if, uh, with that line fading off almost mm-hmm. without an end, and then there's the, the sort of instrumental piece at the very end. It, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it seems like it's, it's ongoing almost and has that same sort of, I feel like you could loop it back to that same tone at the beginning and it really completes a full circle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. No, I mean, um, the album, some, a couple other people have said to me like, Oh, the album, it works so well playing, repeating it, mm-hmm. you know, and that was the idea. Um, uh, yeah, it's it feels like to me it feels like a very short album. It's not that short, but um because of that first and last song it does kind of make it feel even shorter in a way, I think, which I like. Um yeah. In one sense, but in another because it it doesn't have that sort of like punch of here's here's the end, this is the end. It sort of can loop in that way. It almost could be endless. Mhm. Uh do I do you think about your album sort of intertextually where, you know, obviously if you did think of some songs connecting, do you think of once you put them all together as a complete package, then all of a sudden they all necessarily influence each other in, in meaning and tone? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking about that more and more because I'm playing this stuff live now. So I think about that a lot, like trying to come up with the live set and how they sound together and what they mean next to each other and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and in relation to older songs too, it's interesting, but, 
I'm not sure if I'm answering your question or if I can answer your question. I'm not sure if I if it's possible to answer that either. <laughs> it was more a statement anyway. Okay. <laughs> Uh, great. I mean, I hope it works that way. If that if that's what you mean. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, I think certainly. I think it, I think it works in that capacity, which is good. I mean, I I also think albums that are just a bunch of songs, that's totally cool too. This this album isn't quite like that. You know, it does. It's definitely a much um, more of a. Uh, I don't know what the right word is. You know, it's it feels more like a piece. Uh, there's like a certain fabric to it that I would say that like my other albums we don't have. Thanks so much for listening to Track by Track. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review this series, Consequence of Sound, on iTunes or Podchaser. Or hey, share it with a friend or on social media. It helps make sure we can keep dishing out our music journalism in audio form. You can also follow Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network on Facebook, and we've got a whole roster of awesome music, movie, and television podcasts. Head to consequenceofsound.net to explore all of our series. Consequence Podcast Network.